This is the podcast for July 29th, 2011. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from deep within the woodland splendor that is Tom Friedman's mustache of understanding. It's The Professional Left with Drip Glass and Blue Gal. You know, when, when Tom Friedman, when you get the Tom Friedman bug, you, you just can't shake it. It's so... Well, you know, I, li- I like I like a tag called David Brooks giving a seminar at the Aspen Institute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like I like that too. I like Bloom Juice. I, yeah. I realize they're one of my favorite blogs too. They really John are. Cole is an expatriate um, conservative, but you know what John Cole has done? He's moved to the other side successfully. He has repudiated. Yeah. He has not tried to salvage his former ideology. He has no. not tried to say, you know, Ronald Reagan gave me such a good hand job in 1987. <laughs> I just can't forget it. It made such an impression on me. If yeah. only we could get back to the conservatism yeah. of 2002, we'd be okay. He doesn't do this. There's no, no. Uh, it's pretty much been a fucking fraud since the beginning. I woke up and smelled the coffee. I got the fuck out of there. Maybe you should too. Yeah. You know what? That's really all a conservative. Well, and the guy at, at Little Green Footballs did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, Charles didn't, didn't try to make it okay for him to be this way. <clears throat> carving out at one time, yes. Yeah. Andrew Sullivan's Catholicism shows in carving out little special exceptions for people mm-hmm. like him and his friends. No, no, we're saved. We're we're okay. We saw the light just in time. Ooh, that was close. Hey, everybody, keep hiring us, okay? <laughs> Cafeteria conservative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's you know, an old line. Yeah. All, all Andrew Sullivan and David Brooks want to do is go to the dessert aisle. Yeah. They just want to get to the cake and pie part of being mm-hmm. a conservative. And like, no, yes. no. See, see, the problem is you got all this other shit that you you the said mystery you meat that you don't want to talk about what went into that. Yeah. Part of it, you know. And you know how much racism is in that gravy? No, <laughs> yeah. that's just that's just that's just gristle. That's just that's just the back fat and gristle. That's good stuff. You know, that's just pot liquor. Yeah, no, that's racism. Yeah, and yeah. and again, and we're going to get into this a little bit more with this, especially with Tom Friedman. But, yeah. um, you know, first of all, they went along with the bad people right up until it became economically, you know, inconvenient, and they stopped. But they never really stopped. But the second is. They're not fucking bricklayers. Right. They're not basketball players. Their chosen profession, which for which they're handsomely rewarded, is public fucking intellectual. Yeah. Their job is to not be this completely wrong about everything forever. If if I got a cousin who's never been out of Arkansas, who doesn't know shit about anything. And you're and still picking on Arkansas. <clears throat> I'm glad. No, no, I'm not picking on it. I'm just saying <laughs> this was a little this little corner of Arkansas. But if, if, if he doesn't know what's going on and his guest wrong about everything because he's been listening to Rush Limbaugh his whole life, I get that. You know, or even the, just, the crazy Wall Street, you know, the crazy cousin who thinks Wall Street's going to save him eventually. Yeah, that's fine. I, I don't agree with his voting patterns, yeah. but I understand how being that sort of in an isolation tank, in a cultural isolation tank your whole life might deprive you of any sort of input that you, you know, would normally come your way. But for people like Brooks and Friedman and and Sullivan and the rest of these clowns – Who purport to be educated, aware, worldly people. There is no goddamn excuse for missing the giant flaming 400-foot-high red letters on their movement for their entire adult life. exactly. There just isn't. And now that they have gotten it wrong, rather than go to the back of the line – 
which is what you do if you have any honor or well, any now that the tiger like, no, is no, no, coming I after want, them too. It's well, not well, just I know. Oh, I, I know. It's but not now, just the, you know. This it's, is the it's, thing. It's now all of a sudden. Oh my God! This is going. Monster. This is actually going to affect, as we've talked about before. This is going to affect my bond portfolio. Yeah. This is going to affect the private wealth of me and all of my friends mm-hmm. and family. And therefore, I have to somehow distance myself and call them on it so that this catastrophe doesn't happen. And, and, and it may be too late. And if that's how you got there, if if you got there through strictly selfish, ignorant, you know, yeah. can't see anything but the nose in front of your face. Fine, that's how you got there. But you have to, at that point, give up the title of being a public intellectual. Yeah. You have to, at that point, go to the back of the goddamn line because you were wrong about everything. Yeah. But these are the people who say, no, 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 my job is to make money being in the media, pulling opinions out of my ass. And I just have to keep – because I don't really know how to do anything else. These people skate from one sweet gig to another to another to another with no pot, no no consequences, no retribution. And I well, and, and we're going to get into the centrism business too because yeah. this has become the story: is making yes. making the comfortable comfortable is yes. what their job is. You're listening to the Professional Left podcast, professionallab.blogspot.com. We're going to have a great life together. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting you, to the point. Well, I'm just getting to the yeah. point where, well, I, while we're talking personal stuff, I guess, yeah. huh? I'm just getting to the point where it's like, Drift Glass, if you yeah. want to get in line ahead of David Brooks, do that. But anyway, I know, I know that's impossible. I know that's impossible. And I know you're frustrated. I think you are in many ways ahead of the line of, with David Brooks. So uh, you just broke up there. No, I don't want to. I, I want. You want, I want another to, voice, and you're the voice. That's the problem. Well, Paul. You know, Kruger, now we're now we're doing now we're doing pump up the volume. Yeah. <laughs> you're the voice, man. Drift, Drift Glass auditioned at, at, by request. Yeah. Uh, for some voiceover work last week, so yes, it's it kind did. of exciting. Yes, it did. That's all we can say right now. It's it's embargoed, but. Well, you know, we'll let you know. Let me just say, you'll be surprised at the quality of Michelle Bachman's next commercial. (laughs) (laughs) In a world. In a world where Michelle Bachman is not. Can 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 shout in a speech that she's going to defund Freddie Mac, (laughs) and then go buy a house on a golf course with Freddie Mac money. Which then, she did. Which then, she did. And Blue Gal asked me, why, Drift Glass? Why? I said, they gave me money, yeah. Blue Gal. They yeah. gave me money. No, the, uh, it's entirely nonpartisan. It's not political, but it's very, it was flattering, and I'm, I hope it works out for you because it's money. Because they're going to pay you money. <laughs> well, the, and the people I worked with um, so far have been just extraordinarily nice. You know, there is something absolutely refreshing and delightful about working with people who are competent, mm-hmm. professional, cheerful, and just get shit done. Yep. And I, I find that infectious and, and hopeful. Uh, if the if the world ha- if the world has slightly more of those people than the useless wingnut type, yeah. we're okay. We're doing mm-hmm. fine. Anyway. Well, I just feel like the I put an, up an open thread. We're recording this on Wednesday night. I put up an open thread tonight. Calvin Ball. Mm-hmm. You know that they're just playing Calvin Ball, and every morning the rules change, and it's to benefit them. 
Yeah. So the score, as I said, yeah. the score is still Q to 12, you yeah. know, and you don't even know what that means. Or if you really need a drink right now, the Star Trek equivalent is Fizzbin. Yes. You know, that's yes. royal Fizzbin you have there, which is, as everyone knows, all you all you uh, original Star Trek fans out there know, is a trick to, to divert your attention so that someone can punch you in the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's all it is. It's it's a completely farcical, invented game being being made up on the spot. Mm-hmm. And and whatever happens next Wednesday, whether it's the rapture or just a little bit of a rapture, or you know the world economy collapses, which you know I, I'm not sanguine about. But there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm not going to panic over it. Mm-hmm. I, I would urge our listeners to take a moment. Not to not to hug your loved ones, although that's a good idea all the time. But notice what's happening around you, because what you're seeing around you is a is a genuine crisis. Mm-hmm. You know what you're seeing is like 2003, 2004 Iraq. Yeah, yeah. You know you're seeing the naked, ugly face of our media. You're seeing the naked, ugly face of Republicans, and you're seeing the left. I think. Really, as the left always does, as we always try to do at least, rise to the occasion, rise to a complex, difficult situation with grown-up, thoughtful, rather combative, often different approaches to the same issue. But, you know, you, it's such a, a stark contrast between the two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. after whatever happens, happens, and the, and the right, of course, will immediately forget this ever happened because they've been trained to do that. Yes. But for the moment, live in this moment for the next 48 hours or 72 hours and watch what the world looks like. Remember this because this is a historic moment. Yeah. Yeah. This is a moment when not since literally not since since the Confederacy declared war on the United States has a more intract politically intractable and irrational and really vicious Internal enemy and insane, decided. yeah, and just, insane. just with no sense of even who they are. Exactly, the Confederacy was exactly the same way. Had no concept of their own weakness, no, and no. their own moral failings, and were willing to and take thought down, God was on their side, and were willing to take down the country. Yep, over their fucked up principle. Yep, and you know, hundred years later, hundred years later, fifty years later, twenty years later. People look back and are, are horrified. I mean, the, the, the irony is, of course, the modern right has invented an entire alternate history where slavery had nothing to do with the Civil War because it's yes. too embarrassing to exactly. admit that's what exactly. really happened. Yep. Twenty years from now, whatever the hell is left of the right is going to be have an entirely – well, I should 20 years, 20 days from now. Yes, Let's 20 days from now. They will have, have rewritten their mythology yeah. but to what, say but, this wasn't about the debt ceiling. It was about uh, – Principles. Puppies, See? yes, it was about yeah. puppies. That's what we were trying to save the puppies. Yeah. Okay. So, well, so take note of what's going on around you now. I mean, really focus on how how really black and white the contrast is, and focus mm-hmm. on the centrists because the yeah. centrists have really been caught out in the sun. Yes, they I mean, have. They really have been caught buck naked in public. With this, you know, drooling idiocy that if we just split the difference between the new halves, everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. And and really, what's the difference between John Boehner's psychotic Republican Party and Barack Obama's? I'll give you ninety percent of whatever you want. Please just don't destroy the world economy. What's halfway between those two? And have you noticed that the right won't take that deal? 
You know, what does that say about your stupid, stupid, criminally negligent and deliberately ignorant um, ideology? Because that's what Paul Krugman said today. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Paul Krugman, bless his heart. Has yeah, gone he's figured he's gone full tilt jerk class, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. <laughs> he really has. In his column, he said the people who, who, who spout this centrist bullshit know better. Yes, they do. And that's the important part. They know they're lying. Yep. These sons of bitches know they're lying. Yep. And they don't care because they get paid a lot. This is their job. Yes, it's yes. Job. Now I want to go back to something you just said and we're going to I sure. guess reverse our podcast notes a little bit because huh. it was it segues so nicely. You said you have no control over what happens. Um, one of our listeners emailed us this week and apologized at the end of her email for typing in all caps, but she was so furious <laughs> with the right wing that she said, I've just had it. I've got to do this. I've got to type in all caps because I'm just screaming at them and that, yes, I am yelling and yes, it is all. And so, you know, so on. And I had to think about how to respond to her because I felt the same way. Yeah. And I didn't want to type in all caps back at her and go, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. you know, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be worth it. With a bigger, better font. With yeah. a bigger, right? With a bigger, better. I got a bigger font than yours here. Uh, so I waited till the next morning and realized that, you know, the Serenity Prayer is a bitch. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's a real bitch. That's, that's um, but and I didn't quite put it to her that way. But I said, you know, it does. It it is essential and also maddening. That's the way I. That's the way Blue Gal put it. Fran would put it. You know, the serenity prayer is a bitch. But what was so ironic about that was that very morning I got a um, chat from someone on Facebook who said, I'd like you to just look at this post that my husband wrote at his blog. And uh, he's a big fan of the podcast, and so am I. And we, I'd like to know what you think of this. And the title of the post is Serenity, and it's all about Reinhold Niebuhr. And I was like, holy shit, what is this about? You know, what is... What is the universe trying to tell me here? And apparently, I I don't know the details. I'm not a regular reader of this blog called The World According to Chuck, so I don't know what what exactly is going on with him. But um, he apparently has some experience with hospitals and medical situations. Okay. That's all I know. And so he, I got permission from him to read this passage from his blog, and I, it's so pertinent to what you have just said about control and can we control this situation that I really wanted to share this rather long passage, but I, I think everyone will get something out of it. Mm-hmm. I watched a couple in the pre-op waiting room last week, a man and a woman, husband and wife, certainly scaredy cats for sure. The man was about to undergo a procedure about as basic and simple as there is, barely invasive, hardly even surgery. And they fussed and worried and asked pointless questions of patient medical personnel. And so I understand. I understand when people comment that my family has approached our medical situations this past year positively. As with a lot of things in my life, what seemed ordinary and natural only begins to appear like a choice when I finally manage to observe the alternatives. So, yeah, I guess I've been as upbeat as much as possible. But then the nicest thing anyone ever said to me probably was a neighbor who once told me, that she looked forward to spring when we opened our windows. All I hear from your house is music and laughter, she said. Uh, uh. Carve that one on my stone, please. <laughs> there are worse things. So we tend to joke anyway and not pay much attention to alternatives, but a lot of this is found 
with Mr. Niebuhr, uh, who said, Nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. This is trickier because it implies a rabbit hole of cause and effect, ultimate meaning, and prayer as currency. I can't tell you how little interested I am in these notions. That being a faithful person or a believer or a good human being or praying in the right way to the right God makes everything work out in the end. Yeah. Little children are maimed by drunk drivers every day. Once you assume every somebody just didn't pray hard enough yep. or else yep. that God has mysterious plans for even the smallest sparrow, you lose me. People shouldn't drink and drive. <laughs> But faith is still there, conjugated and defined by everyone, but I know it when I see it. And then quoting Niebuhr again, Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we are saved by love. Yeah. Now there we can hang our hats. Find nobility or grace in your solo stuff and you're bound to end up disappointed in yourself. We need somebody to walk with. Somebody is sounding board. Somebody to look over our shoulders at the map and point out that it's upside down. And I'm, I'm going to stop there, but I wanted to say that I think it is now time for all of us to find opportunities to stand up as liberals. Yep. I know we've talked about this before, and we've gotten emails from people who said, look, if I even mention to anyone in my community that I'm a Democrat, my husband will lose half his business yep. because people are so vicious. I'm in Georgia or I'm in Alabama or I'm in bunfuck West Virginia or whatever – my community, you know, my community is full of rush heads, and I'm going to get flipped off on the street, or my car is going to get keyed if I have the wrong bumper sticker, or whatever. It's time people will not wake up if we if we don't start becoming some sort of sounding board where someone can sort of step out onto the ledge a little bit and yep. think for themselves. They'll never do that if they don't hear another voice other than Rush Limbaugh's. And so, find an opportunity. Think about it. If you're a praying person, pray about it. But look for opportunities where you can say something simple and direct and and make it about something where you can find common ground with somebody. Like, hold up a dollar bill and say, look, see this dollar bill? This is more than Exxon paid in taxes last year. I don't think anyone in this room should have to sacrifice $1 of Social Security until Exxon pays its taxes. And look at that as an opportunity to find common ground so that what Rush Limbaugh says isn't the only voice in the room. Right, right. Alternatives are presented. And yeah. I think what you're saying, Luke Al, is it gets better <laughs> It gets better for liberals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or... But if, I don't. Uh, I'm not advocating that we had to come to this point to crash the system in order to have a voice. I am simply suggesting it's time. And <laughs> freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. <laughs> We're at the point of you know what have you got to lose really? Some people do have something to lose by going. Uh, what, what did we call it? Full Metal Mondale? Um, yeah. yes, we did. <laughs> you don't need to go Full Metal Mondale. You just no. need to look for opportunities to stand up and say, I think what's going on is wrong. Right. right. And here's why. You know, and if you want to say, you know, GE owns that bad liberal TV station MSNBC. You see this dollar? This is more than they paid in taxes last year. I think that's wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't have to be... Um, no, I think cooing babies is great. <laughs> you don't have to sort of get yeah. in people's face and agitate them 
necessarily. Well, and, and the, the only modifier it makes that sentence, mm-hmm. and it's a really good sentence. Well, first of all, you know what the killing go- baby sentence. <laughs> yeah, the kill baby sentence. You know, you gotta love that. You gotta as go long as they're it. white. Yeah, yeah. Get that bumper sticker right away. Right. Um, since you went all biblical on my ass, yeah, you know, and and that wasn't in the script, I might add. And so I want to thank. I do want to thank Chuck for allowing me to share that. So. Well, and and the, our shows are very carefully scripted. Every word, every comma, every semicolon planned out in advance, and you just pulled that right out of your ass. So I'm I'm really disappointed in you. Um, but what it sounds like you were trying to say is small is the gate and narrow the road, blue gal. Yeah, narrows the way. Yeah, huh? yeah. It's it's not a it's not easy. Whoever told you this would be easy? Yep. Whoever promised you this was going to be a cakewalk? Whoever promised you that the person that you vote for? Is going to not break your heart. Mm-hmm. When, what? Who in the world ever told you that? Because that person lied to you. Mm-hmm. But the only modifier I'd make to the sentence that you said, which was um, Exxon or, or GE pays less than this dollar in taxes, mm-hmm. don't you think that's wrong? Yeah. My question to be slightly more aggressive: Why don't you think that's wrong? Yeah. What? Put put the onus on people who who are willing to be lulled into that complacent mm-hmm. place or willing to be lied to by Rush Limbaugh voluntarily yeah. or who are centrist brainwashed. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to fight. I don't want to take an opinion. I don't want to – fine. Then go away. Yeah. Um, but why don't you think that's wrong? I think, I think, frankly, for centrists and for conservatives, mm-hmm. the Napoleonic Code now obtains. Mm-hmm. The Napoleonic Code that says you are guilty until proven innocent. Mm-hmm. I think if you are at it's 2011, we're on the we're on the cusp of a, the collapse of the world economy because the right wants it that way, and the centrists profit from pretending that's not really happening, and that both sides do it. That both sides do it. Yeah, I think it is high time that we that we turned the old, to the old Napoleonic Code and said, you know what? If you're a centrist or a conservative, we are we you we are presuming that you are guilty. Yeah. We're going to presume that when you open your mouth, you're a liar. And we're going to demand that you affirmatively prove that you're not. Because giving these people the benefit of the doubt is giving away half the store. Yes. yes. And that's really what Paul Krugman said in his column, which I was delighted with. It was, this is a cult. Yeah. And and these people are liars and they know better. And it, what he what he was really doing was he was talking about his colleagues. Yes, he is. Um, the whole I think time. The, the, the New York Times has a pretty – strict, apparently unwritten rule about not busting the chops of the guy who works down the hall from you or the woman who works down the hall from you. But he was talking about Tom Friedman and he was talking about David Brooks and he was talking about Ross Duhat and he was talking yeah. about them. Like, he was talking about their mamas. Okay. Yeah. And it was, it was remarkable. And the number of emails I got that said, Holy crap, he's doing you. Yeah. Holy crap. He's using actually on your Twitter. Language. Yeah. And Twitter too. Yeah. <clears throat> um, was and and whether that's true or not, I'm delighted he did it. I'm glad that that's the story. I mean, because there yeah. were a lot of other people on Twitter, Jay Rosen at New York University, and a couple other people who were saying the same thing. And uh, I think I think as you said, they the centrists have come out into the light, buck naked, particularly on Meet the Press last Sunday. Oh God, it was bad. It was, as you put it on your blog, old school Soviet bad. It, it was, was Pravda, here's the line, 
wheat crops are up 40%, aren't they? <laughs> the five-year plan is a the success. The five-year plan is a success, isn't it, Doris Kearns Goodwin? Why, yes, it is. And it's historically yes. been working as a five-year plan. Hasn't it, David Gregory? Why, yes, it has. And there was just this line of, it was, it was, this is Washington's problem. Yes. Washington is having a problem. Well, what, if, how, what are we going to do about the the terrible fighting that's going on in Washington between these two sides that are both reasonable but also both very contentious and, and all this contention right, in Washington. And it went right down to Alan West and yeah. and, uh, and uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz that you know that this was somehow a contested issue. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, he said, she said. Yeah and, yeah. and it was – and the thing that really separated and really put it apart from the normal run of how god-awful uh, – It how, usually is. Yes. It went over it, the top from that is what's so amazing. Because yeah. David Gregory is, a, is an ass-looking whore. I yeah. mean he ha- always has been, always will be. There's nothing in his personality that's ever going to change. He's a well-paid whore. He's a really, really well-paid hooker. But this was – Don't sugarcoat was, it. I wish you wouldn't sugarcoat it. Well, it'll it'll come out in the mix, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but this was this was like 2003, 2004 Bush administration shit. Yeah. This was clearly a, a an index card that's been passed out to the guests telling them, you know, literally or figuratively across the entire mouse circus that we are not in under any circumstances going to fault the Republicans for anything. Yep. This is a Washington problem. Both sides do it. Both sides do it. Cory Booker, the only real uh, Democrat on, on the on the Sunday show, on, on the uh, Meet the Press show, said only one thing I remember, and that is, you know, Republicans have a point, and I'm the only Democrat who will say that. And I just, my jaw just hit the floor, because it's usually not that naked. No. But this no. was... This was Manchurian candidate Raymond Shaw is the yeah. kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful human being I've ever met in my life. Obvious that the word had gone forth that you will tow the fucking centrist line or you're never coming back on this show again. And it really everybody- was. It was Malcolm. <laughs> it was Malcolm. Tow the fucking line. Tow the fucking line. <laughs> if you don't know who we're talking about, we're not swearing gratuitously. No, so. we're not. We're quoting yeah. the best Malcolm swearer Tucker. ever. Malcolm Tucker. Malcolm Tucker from uh, In the Thick of It. Got to go watch those YouTubes. Yeah. And his way of hanging up the phone. Fuckity bye. (laughs) Yeah. And with that wonderful, wonderful Scottish accent. Yep. Yep. And And actually, you know, we had a reader on uh, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Stephen wrote us and said, great podcast this week. Just remember, colorful language is the only language strong enough for the insanity you two combat every week. And then there was this exchange between uh, Stephen and another listener, Bobby, who's terrific, um, about pain studies that right. they had um, college undergraduates stick their hand in ice water. And if they were allowed or instructed to cuss while they held their hand under ice water, they could um, hold it down in that icy cold water for longer. And yep. so it's necessary for sanity sometimes. It is. To get in that stress, it, it releases endorphins to cuss, you know. Well, it's, it's why in, in karate, if you will, or karate, <laughs> if you're not as pretentious dick, when, when you're thrown and you land, you slap your hand on the floor. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you distract yourself from, from the pain. Well, and the um, king in the king's speech where 
the first thing he, you know, one of the things he learned to do to control his stutter was fuck bugger, fuck bugger, fuck bugger. <laughs> it's like got it, got his brain chemistry changed, you know, yeah. so he could speak. Rewi- so, yeah. And, and you know, there and, and the only thing I have to say about I have a lot to say about swearing, but I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it short and clean, which is, um, you know, there's. It's writing. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, George Collin was right. These are just it's words. words. Yeah, just words. And people who use them correctly, people who swear beautifully. Um, I had a, a a Russian a Russian teacher once. I specialized in his class. I specialized in translating his broken English into English the rest of the class could understand. I didn't. I don't speak Russian, but I spoke his particular idiom of English. Yeah, you could understand his accent, basically. So when he yeah. said, you know, Vienapu, Vienapu. You know, twenty six pairs of eyes turned over to me, and I said, "Winnie the Pooh." Oh, yeah, it's, it's Vienna Pooh, Vienna Pooh. You know, Vienna Pooh. <laughs> but he says, you know, his 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 take on American swearing was, you know, American swearing is as the babbling of little children. You know, because uh-huh. he said, "Try being conquered for eight hundred years. Yeah. You learn how to fucking swear yeah. when you've been conquered yep. for that long." Yep. Yep. But it was. A, a, a joy of the language, the, the picking exactly the right word and exactly the right, exactly the right description of someone that encapsulates and destroys them. That's why you swear, and that's why those words are special and magic and holy. And if you do it badly, and I, I admit I, I go over the top sometimes, it's it's dumb and repetitive, and it's like any other kind of stupid form of speaking. But people who can swear elegantly and really, really drive the knife in all the way to the hilt without without so much as uh, uh, the slightest bit of resistance a perfect cut to the heart yep. are are artists yeah and and they're they're a joy to listen to and seriously if you if you if you really want to get a lot of pleasure go listen to Malcolm Tucker yep um, on YouTube swearing his fool head off and it's just a thing of beauty to watch it is it really is he's an artist a writerly appreciation of swearing uh you rewrote the pledge for the media this week, and I love what you wrote. I want to repeat what Bill Maher said uh, on, on Lawrence yesterday. <laughs> he said that his pledge is, after this pledge, no more stupid pledges, no flag pins, no eating in diners, stop kissing ass to Iowa, and stop lying. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, what you really want them to do is just completely not be a Republican politician at all. Right. Well, and, and I will say that eating in diners, and you know, I mean, let's let's face it, Joe Biden ate in a lot hey, of diners. Everybody he, eats in diners. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if he doesn't like, he just doesn't like the hokum. And I understand it's not genuine. Of course, it's not. Right. But hey, well, and he's he's New York. Yes, he is. You know, and he's jaded. And let's face it, and he he keeps saying shit like this, and then having Ann Coulter on his show. I know, and you know. he's he's jaded about lots of things. I've yeah. written at length yeah. about what I think Bill Maher needs to do with his life. <laughs> Join a monastery, maybe? No, um, <laughs> if you, since, since you ask, uh-huh. I did. <laughs> I'm going to go find it because um, because we have time to edit out this part where I'm searching for it. <laughs> That's fine, and I'm going to uh, ramp up to. The new pledge that we should be yeah, taking. Yeah, and then we'll be doing the new pledge. Hold on a minute. I'll tell you what. I, while you're doing that, and this is – I don't know what the time stamp is on this, but uh, this is – Yeah, you could put that on there if you want. I, I, I can't measure the time. You know, he has Dana Loesch on his show too. Yeah, I know. And I he mean, has, he's not – 
because he is, you know, 80% entertainment and it is putting red ants and black ants in a jar and shaking them up and going, ha 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 ha. As far All as right, the DMP so here's is my, here's my, here, here are my lines on Bill Maher on that note. Yeah. New rule. Bill Maher should stop being such a shill for Israel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, mature adults can disagree about Middle East politics, but come on, Bill. If you were a mature adult, you'd settle down, marry a nice Jewish girl, and have your babies, Hannah, Caleb, and Zared on the show, instead of hanging out with Shiksa Arm Candy and insulting us breeders. You ain't getting any younger, but there's still plenty of time. Look at Larry King. And anyway, isn't Viagra a real-time sponsor? Just saying. <laughs> Bill, you look like hell. It's got to be hard to do a timely Pimp the Show video on tape delay, Bill, but whoever told you that channeling Mel Gibson's drunk driver look would do it? They should be so very fired. My diagnosis is you need to get married quick. For the sake of your health, you need a plump breeder type. Someone who will make you get some sleep, eat something, wash up, and stop smoking so much goddamn pot. Being a poster boy for Peter Pan syndrome is not pretty, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. It's really not. So, anyway. And I like Bill Maher. I do. But, you know, he is he is a bad boy, so. Well, I, he's a complicated man, and, only, and no one understands him but Ann Coulter. <laughs> There's the problem. There's the you know, problem, yeah. He's, he's a deeply jaded, cynical, who is also. Well, but he's also got kind of Chris Matthews syndrome in that he never had a date in high school or college, mm-hmm. you know, and was he's got the secret misogyny of somebody who was always shot down by women until he made it. And yep. so he doesn't trust women. And so he has women on that he can overtly hate for their politics mm-hmm. so that he doesn't have to deal with his demons that have to do with his self-esteem when it comes to women. Yep. So he has shicks of arm candy that he doesn't have to respect, and he has troglodytes, political troglodytes on his show in female form so that he all of his... Antipathy, antipathy towards yes. women can just be exercised without having to really face anything that he's doing. That's my personal Freudian thing with Bill Maher. There, I'm wow, done. I think that's really insightful. Well, thank um, you. Because it, because it does explain this the the weird schizophrenia of mm-hmm. this person who uh, who relatively often hits something right on the head yeah. and uses his platform to say, look, this is bullshit. Yep. And and says it in what or one of his many many writers says it in a really funny way, but then comes then comes bad Bill Maher. Right, right, then comes right. This other guy who's just creepy and intolerant and doesn't like women very much. Yeah, really doesn't like them at all. <laughs> that means he's human. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. There's a. I'm going to do it one more time. I promise. I'm going to keep doing this as much as I can. There's a wonderful Robert Heinlein story. I've got a beer right here. Go right ahead. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's called My Name is Joe. And it's uh, the story of uh, this robot, uh, Robert Heinlein. I think it's I'm pretty sure it's Robert Heinlein. But it, it's My Name is Joe. It's Robert. It's uh, this robot um, is defended by a lawyer for being human because they want because he's done he's done something bad. He's done something, you know, whatever. And they want to shut him down because he's a machine. And his defender says, "No, his his he is he has he will pass a test, and he is a human being. He's he is a sentient being and deserves all the consideration of sentient human beings." They have a trial, as 
you know, all such science fiction stories do. And very cleverly, Heinlein actually makes the case that because Joe was amoral, because Joe lied and stole and, and, and actually pushed another robot onto a landmine to save himself. Oh yeah. That makes, that makes him human. It's his flaws. It's his, it's his character defects that makes mm-hmm. him human. Mm-hmm. Not his perfection. Not his, not his high grain. And I tend to believe that. You know, I'm a, yeah. I'm as big a sinner as anybody. And I just aspire to be better every now and then. Um, and, and that I celebrate that aspiration I think makes me liberal. There you go. Um, and to scorn and spurn that aspiration and mock it is what makes someone conservative in this day and age. Wish it weren't so, but it sure as hell is. Well, on that note, we want good to note. thank our listeners. That's a good li- good way to end it. Yeah. We want to thank our listeners. We have a website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can listen to us for free with no download and no registration. We've had emails from people saying, I'm going through your whole archive. It's awesome that there's 86 episodes. We love our listeners, and we're glad you're listening to past episodes. I was checking that out this week, you know, and it was kind of fun to see that something from – Last summer, got 30 listens this month, you know. (laughs) We're on Facebook. Uh, If you like us on Facebook, uh, I'll be glad to friend you back at my uh, Francis Langham account. Uh, We're also on iTunes and on Crooks and Liars on Saturday night. We love our listeners from both of those wonderful places. We had an email this week from a listener, a listener named Suzanne, who gives us $5 contributions, but she's done it more than once. Yeah. And I wrote to her and I said, you know, you're one of the best contributors we have because more than once you found five bucks in your purse and sent it to us. And that's just so awesome of you. Mm -hmm. And she wrote me back and she said, I'm pleased that I can be helpful, but it makes me sad as well. When I started contributing, I thought that if X number of listeners similarly contributed, then y'all might – I don't know where she's from, but she says y'all – then y'all might receive a meaningful fraction of what you deserved for your services. In my mind, I hoped that there were at least 500 others. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I hope your numbers grow and my contribution will be simply one of hundreds. Well, so do we. Yeah. <laughs> Let we me tell do. you, we really do. It's not five, unless we're counting in base two. Yeah. It's not 500. Man. Yeah. And we can't afford – I wish we could afford to join the anonymous boycott of PayPal, but uh, we really can't afford to, literally can't afford to. Um, there is a PayPal button at our website. There's also – for those of you that are participating in that boycott of PayPal, feel free to do so. We have a P.O. Box uh, address on our website where you can mail a check. Just make it out to Professional Left Podcast. Mm-hmm. We have an email address. It's proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to write us. Be aware that if you write us at that address, we reserve the right to read your email on the air. We had a hilarious email from another contributor. If, no, let, me, let me make sure. If you tell us you don't want it read, we won't read it. Oh, no. We won't read it if you tell us no. But if you send us $15 or more, we will send you a little 25-sheet notepad, and it's the notepads that we handed out at Netroots Nation. They mm-hmm. say Professional Left Podcast on them. Uh, podcasting from Netroots Nation and our website address. They're just little 25-sheet pads, but I will snail mail you one if you contribute $15 or more. Someone wrote us who had received a notepad and said, Dear Blue Gal, thanks for the notepad. I was thinking about sending the $15 and asking you to skip the notepad just to say that you guys are worth it all by yourselves, no prize needed. But then I thought, 
hey, a professional left notepad. <laughs> I know. I know. I have, I have several in my home, and I look at them every day and go, oh, my God, that's a professional left podcast notepad. I How cool is my... that? I'm a cool yeah. person because I have this next to my phone. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so he rounded it up to 20. I love that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Remember, folks, round up. <laughs> round up for the notepad, people. No, it just was funny. I, you know, hey, free notepad. <laughs> it reminds me of those Jack oh, Handy things, yeah. you know. Hey, I got these bags, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, you guys are a hoot. I really enjoy the exchange, and feel free to email us again. We're at proleftpodcast at gmail.com. So, Blue Gal, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, they're very busy, Drift Class. They're planning their Planet of the Kitties post-default strategy. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, dubbing. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2011, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast.